This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But uh, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing in order, you know, that that would make it better? Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 857, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. It's our Thanksgiving episode, our post-Thanksgiving episode. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. I would like to talk to you guys about making meaningful meaningful connections with brands on this Black Friday. <laughs> and joining us in the third chair, Dr. Ryan Haupt. Uh, I'll just say there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, so I'll just counter Josh's message entirely. <laughs> and we are a fanboy, and every week we read a bunch of comics. We uh, we talk about those, pick the best one, yada, yada, yada. This is the, the post-Thanksgiving show. It's it's not going to be as tight and buttoned up as normal. I'm recording Uh-oh. from my grandmother's uh, apartment. Uh, not normal setup. I I can barely see this tiny monitor. Like it's all this chair squeaks. There's a phone. Like we're just going to deal with it the best we can. You sound like you problems, Connor. These are a lot. Of, I got a lot of problems. Um, <laughs> did you guys get to read all your books? Yes, pretty right. much all of them. Yeah. It was uncool of publishers this week to do what they did. So many books, yeah. There's a lot of books. I read them all, but I, I can't. I can't say I read them at all in ideal conditions. Fair. So uh, it's just we're just gonna roll with it. Sometimes the post Thanksgiving show. One year, Ron, Ron and I did it. It was like 25 minutes long, just because we were just like we had to get back to our families. We're gonna do the best we can and get back to normal next week. In the meantime, there's, there'll be a spoiler warning right here that warns you that. Uh, this is a review show, and there will be spoilers. And uh, this week, Ryan, you had the pick of the week. I sure did. And I think anyone who saw the rundown of, of books coming out this week probably knew, you know, what one of the contenders was going to be. And it, it is indeed the Human Target 
book nine, story by Tom King, art by Greg Smallwood, letters by Clayton Cowles. And it was one of the earlier books I read in my stack, and it was a clear, clear contender for Pick of the Week. It's got just a lot to love. But honestly, I think I think this book made a strong case for itself simply by Greg Smallwood's art on just the way their hair moves while they're driving alone. It's incredible. <laughs> Fair. I, I cannot get over how good this book looks, how just it is hitting on every every note that I need hit on. You've got a little quick little pop in by Dr. Midnight. It's just, it's excellent in every sense. You know, what's funny is that when this, this book shows up, uh, I, I sometimes, I, I wait a little because I'm like, you have to have, it. it's not that I don't need to leave the best thing for last. It's that I just know I'm going to have to pay attention. And so yeah, there's a bunch of it. books I just breeze through. And, yep. and it, it, in that time, it tends to become a little intimidating to me for some reason. I'm like, all right, all right, here we go. Let's do the thing. And then I open it and I see the first page and I was like, all right, this is magic. It's not hard. <laughs> it's just good. And sometimes I equate those two, but that first page I went, oh God, I forgot. And then you're right back in it, but uh, it's good. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was a stellar issue. And so the cover, you know, if you haven't, if, if somehow you haven't been following along, this is the murder mystery involving the Justice League International and the cover is Christopher Chance, the human target, in the shadow of Batman. And you think, okay, well, obviously, Batman was a founding member of the JLI. He's an important aspect of it. So, of course, eventually he will have to show. And this whole issue was brilliant, I thought, because it was Christopher Chance's uh, spiraling paranoia at thinking he was being followed by Batman. And we don't know, was he? Was he not? Probably not. But... I just loved how he he was convinced he was, and by Batman doing nothing else but being in his head, sort of ruined his his day. <laughs> and I thought it was great. I was really glad that I hadn't noticed that on the cover, because I had to go through the sort of ambiguity. I was like, I think he's talking about Batman, but I'm not sure, and he doesn't say it until later. And it feels like the script was written in such a way that you didn't have a clue other than, you know, just knowing context. And I had to think, wait, ba yeah, Batman wasn't that because he punched Guy Gardner and that's been referenced in here. And, and, uh, it, it made it really fun. And it was that sort of, uh, uh, mind's eye, uh, paranoia kind of thing. He beat that man up for no reason. And the <laughs> okay. cover, the cover is a really cool, like kind of North by Northwest look yes. of, yeah. of Christopher Chance running away from the shadow of the bat. And I, I think it, it, it clicked for me before they got to the diner, but then when he saw the guy sitting next to him and said, well, he doesn't have the match, but I'm pretty sure that's Batman as matches Malone. So like Christopher Chance even knows Batman's disguises and is psyching himself out about mm -hmm. them. Just really. really well, good. it's funny you mentioned that because I had a whole, you know, I, there's a very Cary Grant thing with Christopher Chance in this issue, particularly. So it's, it makes sense that North by Northwest was, would be yeah, sort of referenced on the cover, but there was a great moment towards the end where he's explaining his paranoia to ice and he's, and she's like, well, who's better than you? Who's smarter than you? And he says, Batman, Batman's better than me. And she, there's a, there's an empty page. Uh, there's a blank uh, panel. And the next one, she just, she's just like, fuck, you know, it's like, she knows <laughs> now she realizes it's two. And the, but then, you know, we're, we're, we mentioned the big reveal here, which is, which is revealed after, uh, well, Christopher chance thinks while ice is asleep. And, and that is that guy Gardner is actually alive. Right. He so he's, dead. Now he's assuming like it's that whole like, but he thinks, but I he doesn't know that I know. You know, it's that very kind right. of convoluted logic. And I, I, one scene before we get to the very end of the book, I particularly loved is when they try to like essentially call Batman's bluff by wrecking their own car. Like, well, maybe <laughs> if we maybe if it looks like we're going to die, he'll come save us, and, and then that'll reveal that he's been tailing us this entire time. Um, so there's just lots of smart little details like that. But 
then Christopher Chance convinces himself that Batman is not really coming to get him because Batman himself has figured out the deeper truth, which is that they didn't really kill Guy Gardner, which I I have no clue how they're going to get around his frozen, shattered corpse on that one. What I didn't know is that Ice didn't know that that he was had the 12 days i did i think i didn't realize that either i think that was that was something that surprised me in reading this too josh i think i thought that was just understood because otherwise why she then she's just hanging out with him which is which is kind of sweet really (laughs) yeah did connor did you know that i didn't i didn't realize it either but i guess it makes sense who else would know specifically i mean dr midnight and him and he i don't think he's really told anybody he's he's poisoned him dr midnight like, Maybe, you know, she, she was in the waiting room with patient, Dr. Minnett's owl. <laughs> patient, uh, Dr. Confidential. How, how, how pleasurable is sex on a w- ice bed? I, I had this thought. I thought none of that furniture. There's no way. <laughs> there's no way that you can. I mean, you know the science, Ryan. Uh, slush? How would you make that pliable? <laughs> I don't know. It wouldn't be comfortable for him, I would believe. Couldn't believe. No. I mean, maybe the, whatever is in his flask must be really good stuff. What we're learning is that he's super into her, and so he's willing to put up with a lot. And then yeah. the question is, well, after those 12 days, how long would that really last? Listen, can we get a couch? <laughs> can we just... I mean, she she would be into it because she's an ice, ice... Well, sure. I was going to say ice guys, right. but they, they've, they've, they've retconned that. But that explains why he's still awake in the ice house as opposed to sleeping in the ice bed. Yeah, but I think this what this final page, I think makes so this is issue nine of twelve. So we're basically at the start of the final act of the story, and it seems to me that, I mean, this could totally be wrong. We're we're making a lot of assumptions in a book where everybody who makes assumptions is wrong. But I've always been suspicious of Ice because if I've read every book that Raymond Chandler's ever written, and it's usually the woman, she's usually involved. Who, who, the woman who comes to the office and asks for the PI's help is usually always involved in the crime. And I thought about that too. And the thing that the thing that I keep going back to is that this is so well done that if she crosses him, it's going to wreck me. Like I can't. It's so <laughs> it's going to make me so sad because like he tells her he loves her in this one, and it's it's that I loved. I thought that scene was really well done with like her head on his shoulder, and he's like, "I love you." That's all. I fucked up, and I don't know. It's just it's he he's so sweet on her, and so far she hasn't. Dropped too many hints that at least not that I've seen, but I'm sure in hindsight it'll all be clear. And I don't know. I just I don't want it to go that way. But I'm sure you're probably right. Connor. Well, uh, if you look at the look at the framing of the final panel where he reveals that Guy Gardner's alive, she's in the foreground sleeping on the ice bed, looking very comfortable, like it's a Sealy Certomatic, whatever those mattresses are. Uh, and he's in the background looking at her. And while well, he says uh, he says uh, because he figured out Guy Gardner's still alive. So that would imply to me from the framing that she doesn't know that he's still alive, which means she's, there's a reason why she doesn't know why there's a reason why, uh, Chris Rich has faked it. And then didn't he tell knows, then he knows he has a reason to suspect her too. Right. Which would be a thing. But then like, again, like, like a, yeah, three more issues. So I could, t- you know, it could be put on its head and I could be wrong. And it'd be great. You know, cause I, I, as you said, Ryan, I love their relationship, even though the whole time I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop. This is so good. Look at the look at the panel at the top of that final page where Christopher Chance is looking through the window of the the mm-hmm. ice house and, and the way his, his image is warped. His image is warped as you would see through ice. Like it, the the amount of consideration in this book is out of this world. Well, and as soon as they're in the ice house, you can see his breath in every panel and not hers because yeah. she's mm-hmm. not you know she's not at she's at, not at a human temperature. She's at the temperature of the ice. So good. Is there any chance that Greg Smallwood doesn't win an Eisner for this? 
Every time we say that, we're wrong. But I, I can't imagine. I can't I imagine can't, it. If if someone else does win an Eisner, it will be bullshit. How do we get on the committee? <laughs> how do we, dude? How we do can't we put a thumb on the scale? Listen, we do not have a lot of sway with the with the Eisner folk. <laughs> that is historically. We've given up with that. Right. It it just it's it's very good. I just I love the mounting paranoia, the spiral, his spiraling, the you know where it sort of climaxes where it beats that beats up that poor guy in the diner for no reason, thinking he's Batman. Like you know, which I, is I thought, reminiscent I, of Superman two, by the way. It's very much, and I think it's the same. It might even be the same set. I don't know. What's great about it is I had the same realization that he did, where before but before he said it, which was the, the guy punches him. And then it, it doesn't really affect him. I thought, if Batman punched you like that, you'd be on the floor. Right. And he punches the guy, and then he realizes, oh, shit, wait a minute. That guy hit me, and it didn't hurt. This is not Batman. <laughs> yeah. it, this was just brilliant. It's, this is br- this book is fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And it's beautiful, and I want to live in this world. Are these pages only in digital? What do you mean? Yeah, like he, smaller he draws digital. digitally, yeah. Like, look at page uh, 15. And tell me that you wouldn't want that on your wall. Oh, yeah, just a, of course. Just a print of that. Yeah. That's, that's gorgeous. Very good. I love, that, I love that you can zoom in. I don't mean um, like literally, but you can kind of look at any given detail on a, uh, any panel or page. And, and it, it, it's usually something interesting. Like you look at like the hair on the guy at the bar and it's just so rough. You know, mm. it's it's a scribble. It goes over the lines where it's supposed to, but it works. You know, and that's you know the same. Like he's got like a little bit of food on his fork, but all the proportions and all of the you know angles that we're looking at it are accurate. Like, right. like the the anatomy and perspective on this is we're not even talking about that because it's just so good you don't need to. But it's cool. his hands. He does great hands. Anyway, you know you've got a good girlfriend when she brings your flask to the doctor's office <laughs> I, I, also, I, I do have a, a real soft spot for dr midnight he's one of my favorite like weird obscure dc characters oh yeah and and the, what's great about this book is it makes no i mean it's a, it's, a, it's a black label book so it doesn't matter but it makes no sense within the continuity of what's going on at dc right now That's right totally dr midnight's some other person now but so anyway i mean this was easy you made you said you, know you have a good doctor when he's also like yeah give him the liquor <laughs> well he knows he's gonna die so might as well or let him dr- drink through or it or a bad doctor like he needed it cough 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 take this ah uh. <laughs> so uh I, I apologize for what's about to happen ryan so gi joe other than again i guess i don't apologize because i see you put a power ranger book on the, on the rundown gi joe the real american it. hero i, I, I finally was able to balance the scales we finally had a week where the two came out gi <laughs> joe real american hero number 300 from idw the final issue in the Larry Hama saga, which began in the early 80s at Marvel, went to, went to uh, Devil's Due. Is that the one, Josh? Yep. 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 And then in the 90W. I am, <laughs> Josh, I wish you could have seen my face when I read this book. I can, I, can, I, I, can, I can picture it fairly easily. I think I turned the iPad around to see if there was something missing on the back. Um, <laughs> so. so so the, first of all, the cover. The cover is this amazing double-page spread. I think it's every G.I. Joe and Cobra character that's ever been. Yeah, yeah. In pretty, fact, there's even a, a credit for research. Yeah. Like like somebody, like there was a research. Two people, Dustin McCoy and Daniel Thomas, like 
had to give the research to them to be able to do including this. all the dogs and and hawks uh, hawk oh yeah look at that up i mean i mean spirits hawk like all everything's uh, spirits eagle that's an eagle i'm tired eagle is uh freedom then you got freedom, timber right. then you got law then you got not mutt what was mutt's dog's name i don't remember what his dog's name was uh, mutt and and not jeff uh and then <laughs> there's a bobcat i don't know that one why is there a mime <laughs> because at some point there was a they, they they had an extra slot that year's lineup. <laughs> okay, so was like, how about a mime? And then they all laughed and were like, "No, seriously." In the Go in ahead. the last issue, so Josh and I have been reading every every issue of this final arc, and in the last issue, it was discovered that Doctor Mindbender still had the original Snake Eyes's consciousness from that machine that where they put him in in the early in the Marvel run, and so they have resurrected a cloned version of Snake Eyes. With uh, his original consciousness and memories, so it's basically they've resurrected the, the sort of like the mid '80s Snake Eyes here, and mm-hmm. he's just he's just going on a Cobra killing spree in this lab. No one can stop him, and including the two uh, troopers who who narrate the entire battle, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which was annoying but also kind of funny. Uh, I was a little surprised by this issue, Josh. What did you think about it overall? I mean, I I do I hate to get crude. Yeah. But I feel like the word blue balls is mm-hmm. probably the best way to describe what this felt like. I went, what? <laughs> Basically, Snake Eyes, they think that he's programmed. We know he isn't. He goes and just slaughters every co-, co And I like slaughters. I was like, well, this is this is an all ages book, I thought. And and <laughs> with his two katana out, swords. He just and everybody's takes them super out. happy. Uh the, there's a bit where he finally runs into uh, Scarlet, and they did the classic, like, don't show his face thing, which I was yeah. so happy about. Um, and then, you know, they're all, like, ready for the final assault, and the book's over. Yes. And so I, I did. I went, I, went, I went back to the beginning. I was like, it's 300. But that was the last. <laughs> and it's just to be continued with the, um, uh, oh, there's a word for the question mark, and... Um, Slam or Interabang. It's called an Interabang. I learned that this week. <laughs> so, uh, um, yes. So the issue ends on a cliffhanger, which is will cause me to be like, wait a minute. What? Is there some, are there more issues? I looked in the back, and obviously it's, it says yeah. in the letters column, like, this is it. This is this is the end of Hama's run. And I was like, wait, what? what? So I don't know what's coming next. Thing is, I have a feeling Larry just might. I mean, that was one heck of a cliffhanger we had just ended on, don't you think? Something tells me this story ain't over yet. Yo, Joe. So maybe another publisher is picking it up, but oh, I, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it seemed like a a shitty way to do it if that's what that was happening. Because they the, basically the reason why you re, you and I read this is because it was it was advertised as the final arc of Larry Hama's GI Joe run. Right. Anyway, the Scarlet Snake Eyes bit was my favorite bit of the week. Like it, you know, when she finds out that he's back through cloning, she, she and Stalker uh, and Snake Eyes, um, Storm Shadow. No, Starfire was already on the island. She and Stalker basically say we're going down to save them, and they they do. And it ends up being the, the original team from Vietnam plus Scarlet. So that dude in the yellow hair with the red bandana, who's the father of the Snake Eyes, the fake Snake Eyes. Seems like Tim or Bill or something, right? He was in that unit. I, rem- in I remember. I can see it. Once they said it here, I was like, oh right, that was a dude with re- with blonde hair and a. And the red bandana. So that yep. basically the entire unit, which was Stalker, Storm Shadow, Snake Eyes, and this dude, 
uh, were were reunited with Scarlet to to rescue them. The, and the dude is Sean's dad. Yes, and Sean is the is new Snake Eyes and you umlaut. Um, a couple of things, a couple of things here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is that there's there's I like that the whole team on the hovercraft uh, is all the sea guys. So there's Cutter. <laughs> And then the other is Deep Six, and I was like, "Oh yeah, he came with the shark." And then, of course, shipwreck. And then also the little, the little uh, things that they stand in, the little holes they stand in, apparently are not as are not as they're much more shallow than I thought. <laughs> like the guns are at at belt level, and I was like, "You should you should let them dig in for a little more cover there." Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was strange. Then I completely forgot that the whale or the hovercraft, which was one of my prestige toys, uh, could go on land. Because I'm like, oh, no, they're penned in. And they just drive through the forest. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and also, uh, <laughs> it's so good. It blows up a tank. I don't know how that works, but whatever. Right. At one point, he says, I'm going to arm the missiles. I was like, all right, it has missiles. And then a couple <laughs> other things. And then we will, uh, normally, the rule of thumb is that if you have a bad guy, they should stay a bad guy. And you don't try to make them good. And that yep. is not the case with Storm Shadow who's now fully on the good guy side and and two who Laura <laughs> the <laughs> crimson guard with an eye patch lady who may be Cobra Commander's daughter yeah or, it is. she is I mean, okay. she looks just like if you remember his son was it Chris Chris had an eye patch as well so i assume that's right. that's a signifier Apparently i did Cobra like that Commander at one point <laughs> they're like is that cobra commander yeah like, uh it was fun um and then I was annoyed, like you said, it was a bit of comic book blue balls when I was like, wait a minute, the arc's not over? So, I don't know what's I mean, happening. I mean, you could do it like, I don't know, Butch and Sundance or something. It wasn't really that. It was like, there's, they're, they're going to, like, I want to see them take the casino. It right. wasn't like, I don't need to see what happens next. And I'm also fine with it being like, it's a never-ending battle, so it's not sure. going to... Sure, that's true. And that's fine, but it just... That wasn't the ending of the story. It was like this plane is going down and it's going to crash into the casino. Like that's not really like, you know, the ending of the Justice League Unlimited cartoon was the Justice League all running out to fight a, a new threat. Mm-hmm. And it was like that's yeah. that's fine because the battle's never ending. But th- that, that talk, wasn't this. So it's weird. Let's it talk weird. about the problem here is that we have Colt Slither playing through December. <laughs> which brings up a lot of questions. Cold Slither, of course, is a fake band uh, comprised of Dreadnoughts, but now they are playing here. Are they the actual Dreadnoughts, or is this more like a one of those bands that switches members out constantly, like a like a Boston or a Journey? Right, and and if they only play, does that mean they don't get to do any Dreadnoughting? Right, or do they have to do double duty? And if so, are they being paid for both, or they just really love being in Cold Slither, or vice versa? Right, it's like they do but the way, wind down that, from... That run is going to go short. Did Cold Slither have like a hit? Like, were, was their deception so good that people were like, oh man, I love Cold Slither. What happened to them? It's like, turned out they were terrorists. I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure there's probably a Reddit group somewhere that's the big Cold Slither fans, and that sort of kept the fandom going. You Cold know? Slither, Slither, you'll be seeing us soon. <laughs> I don't remember the other, but I remember the melody. <laughs> I mean, it was really fun, and I and I I just don't know that certain things paid off. Like I don't know that Genghis Khan paid off in any meaningful way. Well, it was ridiculous. 
Right, but like again, because this this arc didn't really come to an end, the, it was uh, like, is he still just the leader of Cobra? I guess the zombie nuke. He just turned. He just turned into Serpentor in this. I was like, oh, he's yeah. just Serpentor now. And the zombie nuke. They never, they never uh, paid that off either. There was a certain point where I was like three quarters of the way through this, and I said, "There's, there's no way this can end." What's going on? And then it yeah. didn't. I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens. Maybe that'll be interesting. I mean, I'm, not saying I, I'm not saying I'm not going to check it out if it continues, but I'm Larry Ham has to be writing it. it if, if, if nothing else for these conversations, it was worth it. If this is all that happened, it was, it was, so, it was great. <laughs> I mean, I, it, was, it was worth it for me for, for Snake Eyes and Scarlet reuniting. Yep. You know, so. Then we got a lesson about stopping bleeding uh, at the end, which I couldn't tell was serious or silly until the very end. I was like, well, it's kind of both. Let's talk about Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, number one from Boom Studios, written by Jason Aaron, with art by Alexandria, Alexander Tvenki, and a little bit by Nick Dracote at the end. Uh, this, this is Jason Aaron's big new indie book, tellingly not an image. Is that Boom? Should I, should I finish my game of Free Cell, or do yeah, you want me to come back in a conversation? I mean, I, I read this book, so I can come back in, but I was, I was almost done. I was hoping you guys could drag out that conversation just a little longer for me to finish well, that I've game, got, but that's okay. I've got my Marvel Snap ready for the Power Rangers, so we are good <laughs> to go. So, thoughts on Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, number one. I, I hate to say it, but the first thing that I thought is... So does that mean he will finish it because he's with like a real publisher? <laughs> oh, Which stop. Isn't Image say, is a real publisher. I know, but they're not editorially. They're not like right. it's not the same thing. They're not building. There's the the creators are building their schedules for the most part. But here, like the publishing arm is is a is a fully. Um, yes, this is more infrastructure than Image does. Yes. Yeah, and so I hope he finishes it because I got you know he's 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 left us in the lurch a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm trying to think. Well, uh, almost almost all of those books from that from that boom left us in the lurch, unless Remender was writing them. Right? No, I know that, but like, has he finished any of his indie projects? I don't think he has. There was, uh, there the was goddamn bastard! The goddamn didn't finish. Didn't? The goddamn didn't finish. There was a there was like Southern was bastards didn't finished. And then yeah. there was oh the other one he did with uh with uh Dennis Hallam uh that did the, the sea um, the one in the sea space sea yeah, yeah, yeah. sea yeah. stars. Okay, so uh, either way, that, that's that, that. I'm saying that that was my first thought, but whatever. Put that aside. If you told me that this was Jason Aaron, I wouldn't have believed you. Mm. E- except it had a remenderisk vibe to it. Yeah, it had it had something like the nerdy kid is a very not Jason Aaron uh, character to me. However, thematically, it's very similar to Sea of Stars. It's very similar to The Goddamned in that there's uh, a young person over their head out in a dangerous world. It's, it's the same thing. Right. Um, but the tone was different, uh, I thought. And, and actually, oddly hopeful for a, an apocalypse book. It's right. just a nerd who fell in love with a girl. You know, partially because she's interesting, partially because there are no other girls. Or people, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, it, it opens with this young girl who's rowing her way through the wasteland sea, which is full of garbage and other things and she comes across this building in which this young boy lives in uh, in sort of home alone-esque security and uh they end up going off together at the end it's a, it's a fairly simple setup for the first issue it's mostly just yeah. like boy meets girl and they they decide to, to 
go, they go off together. Not not necessarily they decide to. He follows her out. Yeah, he tags along. I had I felt, <laughs> a show with Will Forte, whatever that one. Was. Last Man on Earth, excellent yeah. show. Uh, I rewatched it during the pandemic, and the number of things they got right in that show. There's a flashback episode where it shows like the early days of the virus ruining the world, and like people are making fun of folks wearing masks at the grocery store, talking about secret vaccines. Like, it, they, yeah, it's incredible. Um, I, I loved the kids. I loved Maceo's Mace's backpack Maceo. of all the things. Mm-hmm. You sure it's Maceo? Yes, yeah. Maceo Parker, famous uh, musician, bass player, right. I think. No, trumpet. Either way, I loved the backpack of many things. Snowshoes, skateboards, uh, banjos. Got, it's all of his things, yeah. It basically yeah. sounds like my room. No, I mean, I mean, but like that's kind of that's kind of how I that's what goes through my head when I pa- when I start packing. I'm like, well, it might snow. Better mm-hmm. toss some snowshoes on here. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot here. Um yeah. we flash forward at the end many years later and the uh, Maceo is an old grizzled man without an arm being tortured by some people who want to know where uh where she, is it look they're looking for her possibly yeah her name is i oh, looking for Mezzi. esmeralda yeah esmeralda. yeah i didn't want that yeah i didn't like it either it's sort of it, it, it sort of undercut s- similar to the thor book he did where you knew the future you knew the ending mm-hmm. which didn't hurt it but you know now i know he survived so i don't have to worry about him yeah, but but also, you know, like you want to see knowing you want to see the journey, but knowing where the yeah, I mean, knowing where the journey ends makes it a little less compelling, I guess, in a way. Like I, I thought, well, okay, in the 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 first part of the book is these people meet each other and they they start off on, a, on an adventure. And I mean, how many times have we seen the you know a person joins up in the adventure and the other one who's totally prepared for it is like, oh, don't come with me. You know, we've yep. seen that a lot, but. You know, I, I want to give that time. I want to see how that relationship goes. But now we know. So we know something. We didn't, you know, it, it, that was kind of. And what I actually got worried about, I was like, is this going to be the book? Are we just skipping the first part now? Oh, I hope not. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, and that was how I took it. But that's not necessarily true. I don't think it's going to be the case now. No. That would that would definitely affect my sticking with it, which I know is not something we declare for all books. But you can talk about it here. Um, it's, a, it's a number. I feel like it's it's relevant to any number one we discuss i thought it was good i thought it was really well done it was really professional a lot of the books that will come out from you know it's the same thing like when uh uh, scott snyder shows up on that idw book like oh this is a really well done book by a professional this is the same thing with that like you just you know there's a real difference between guys who sort of worked at the big publishers for a while and and some of the the indie stuff there just is like you're just better at structure and and understanding what it is you're trying to get to um the concept isn't always as interesting like but i but i don't know i don't know what it is yet so it's not like like if it's a batman book like i I have something to hang on to you know i know it's going to be like here i'd have to trust the creator to do a thing that's interesting and I, i hope it is i'm not sure it is yet but i hope it is yeah i'm i'm interested i'm i I didn't love it i liked it Mm -hmm. and i'm certainly interested enough to keep reading it exact same yeah. A book I really, really enjoyed more than I expected to yeah. was Star Wars Yoda number one by Kavan Scott, Nico Leone, uh, Dona Sanchez Almara, and Joe Carmagna. And uh, yeah, it's just a little, it's just a little Yoda story. And I didn't know I needed this in my life, but I read it and uh, greatly, greatly enjoyed it. And I 
Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't have read it. I, I, every time a new Star Wars book comes out, I approach it with a a you know ninety ten. Like this is a ten percent chance. I'm gonna check this up. But I saw the I saw Nico Leon on art, and I went, I kind of want to see what that looks like. And I because I don't know who Kevin Scott Scott is. And yeah, it was it was good because it was just like, what if Yo- what would it look like if Yoda had an adventure on some world somewhere? And it doesn't change his story. Doesn't yeah. you know? It doesn't explain anything. It's just like let's imagine him in this place doing this thing. Um, I liked a lot of the choices that were made. Like he was high up there, like you can't go, and he's like, who do you say I can't go? I'm going. Like they got a they got a distress sequence. They got a distress signal from some world. People are being attacked. Random aliens. I mean, again, we've seen this setup a thousand times. And it starts. It starts with him, you know, remembering this story from his little hut in Dagobah. And like as soon as I yeah. saw the little hut. In that first page, I was like, oh, here we go. Um, I kind of yeah. already like this. And the world he goes to is very like Pandora. It's got like these Navi looking aliens that are fighting off these bigger, meaner aliens. It's almost like an episode yeah. of Samurai Jack. And you know, the council is like, yeah, the council is like, Yoda, you're not the guy, guy for this. And he's like, what the hell you say? I'm, I'm this story was in the Mandalorian as well, I believe. Yeah, it's very similar to it's um, a very similar setup. So for me, uh, so I'll start with my one little criticism is that like he stopped doing Yoda speak in the middle of it and then went back to it. I was like, he's just forming normal sentences. You got to put in the effort here. You can't have Etrigan just talking normal. Um, right. But really, the thing that brought me over the top, though, is like, the art was spectacular. It was, it was Nico Leon really good delivered. Yeah, it was. I mean, if, if that's all that I had read this for, it, it would have been enough. It was it was wonderful. It was beautiful. And the lightsaber effects were really well done. Um, there's there's the I, I, do we call it the Mitch Garrett's crudite swoop uh, when he like reholsters <laughs> his lightsaber? Oh, now you I know what I'm talking about, Josh, right? Kind of. Wait, wait, give me a page. Yeah, when he showed the, the the speed line. Yeah, the speed line on uh, I think it's page 25 or so where he uh, he force holsters his lightsaber back onto his belt and it has the little the little Mitch Garrett's oh, 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 speed oh, the line. chip the chip the chip dip. Yes. <laughs> yep oh that's great no you're right the lighting is actually spectacular in this i don't know uh this colorist sanchez amara but uh the color is actually wonderful and the lighting effects from the, the the lightsaber yeah it's it's a gorgeous book i'm actually really glad i read it um me too and i don't i'm not gonna walk shot. away with it uh, i think it was no it's to be continued too. so yoda's gonna stay on this island for a little while on this little yeah. little off world place and help these help these aliens continue to be ready to fight off these bigger and badder invaders. Yeah. And that kid's going to be a Jedi. <laughs> it, there's no way uh, he'll find a Jedi down there. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, it was, a, it was a nice little bit. I agree. Dark spaces, wildfire. Number five. We talked about Scott Snyder just a minute ago at IDW. This is the final issue of his uh, firefighter miniseries crime story that um, I only picked up reading because Josh talked about it. I hadn't, I wouldn't have done it otherwise because the title does not tell you anything about it. seemed like a sci-fi t- book to me. Anyway, I liked this mini a lot. I liked the art from Hayden Sherman a lot. I actually really liked the fake ending more than the real ending. I, pref- I preferred the fake ending in this, in this particular story. <laughs> I prefer fake endings in general well the, um, the whole thing was there's been a, there's been a heist in the middle of this wildfire and the crew uh the, of prisoners who are fighting the fire because if you don't know a lot of wildfire fighting in california is done by inmates and we won't even get into how fucked up that is but um three dollars there's a there's there's a crypto heist happening in the middle of it i guess none of them heard about crypto crashing but um it turns out one of the people is involved from you know, one of the people in the crew is, is, is the mastermind of the heist and 
here, uh, you know, they're going to escape. They're going to use the their the woman's plan to escape themselves and live in luxury in the Philippines or wherever it is. And that doesn't actually happen. But there's a moment where we see it happening and it's a fantasy. And I actually really liked it as sort of the Shawshank Redemption kind of ending where they, they yeah, got they to escape. It escape their yeah. their lives and of hardship and live and that's not what happens and i was it was a bummer but i got it I, I enjoyed it i think um i did too i think it's a little heavy on the metaphor but i think that that's actually what it was so it's hard to sort of remove it from that i think that the mm-hmm. art got better uh hayden yes. sherman i think like i, I mean i'm gonna put it to seem to learn a lot through the process of this so that you know a lot of times you'll see it'll go the other way. Like it's really strong in the beginning. They're putting everything into it. And then by the end it's, it's, you know, kind of they're rushing and it's not, it's the other way. Like in the beginning, the art was interesting, but lacking some of the fundamentals. And then by the end, I felt it was stronger. Character differentiation was different. Um, the, 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 uh, layouts, which were really, uh, inventive and, uh, aspirational, uh, in the beginning, I think were, were smoothed out. The storytelling got better. Um, and I, I think that that means a lot. Um, also, I just like to compliment the bravery of making this a five issue miniseries. It did not need one more page. It it stopped when it did. Like stretching it out to six would have been dumb. Uh, it's constructed correctly. Well, five is the new six. That's the new length okay. now. So um, it is what it is. Uh, the Amazing Spider Man nine hundred and eight. Zev Wells and three or art, four artists: Mike Dowling, Kyle Hotz, Terry Dodson, and Ryan Stegman. Tell a year in the life of uh, these characters. I did not. I was not happy. We came back to Ben Riley, but then yeah. I remembered we left. I was like, "All right, we left off with him being a bad guy." And I was like, "Ugh." I, if you recall, Josh and I enjoyed that Ben Riley story for the most part. Mm-hmm. Not a huge Ben Riley fan personally, but you know, it, it ended up being interesting. It, it left him as a pure villain, and I, I then I proceeded to forget he existed. Which and then is correct. when I opened this book up, I went, oh, no. And yeah. now we see that uh, they're bringing it back in a big way. And in my least favorite bunch of stuff. But, I, you know, like, like I was like, is that that's Madeline Pryor? Yeah. I mean, it's totally comic book. Like, there's a certain peop- section of fans who are going to love this. And it's not it's not I'm not even saying it's bad. I think it was actually pretty good. I just am not interested in. I will say uh, the editorial choice of Kyle Holtz on this limbo sequences is exactly correct. He's yeah. awesome at what he did there. And even though I'm not interested in that at all, you know, it was perfect and and really, you know, did its job extraordinarily well. I mean, the the, the pair, pairing of Ben Riley and Madeline Pryor was interesting in that they're both clones of established heroes. Yeah. So that was like, okay, that's fairly interesting. I just I just don't. Care. We had like a full year with Ben yeah. Riley, and it was enough. You managed to make him interesting. Great, congratulations! Now don't bring him back for well, a while. Well, I, I, I think, I think the thing is, if this was a uh, side series, like we did a lot of, like, why isn't this in the main book? Yeah. And I'm like, why is this in the main book? <laughs> right. Like, we had a nice Peter Parker story going. We still don't know what the mystery is about what he he did. Let's let's stick on. You had you have John Romita Jr. We're doing Spider Man over here. Yeah. Why are you doing this? Uh, we just did this. I don't, yeah, I don't want this. The, we did this, but we did a better version. This is a worse version of this. It was a good, con- like, it was good. It wasn't, I'm, I'm not like, oh, this sucked. It's just not, it's just like, I don't like salsa music. That's right. not true. It makes you move. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not my genre. You try keeping your hips in place. 
I was also I was asked on the Discord about this new costume for Chasm, and mm-hmm. it's yeah. There's the, the main problem with it is this: it's a, it's a spider-like animal because it's got the eight legs, but it has a middle section thorax, which arachnids don't have, insects have. So it's like it, even the even like the weird logo design on the costume is not working for me. And oh, 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 Ryan wins the nerd of the week comment. He did it, everyone. <laughs> that, that is, you know what? You know what the thing about this? You know what this comic is like. This comic book is like the return of the mullet. This is all shit from the '90s with '90s sense of chasm with the yeah. glowy yeah, McFarlane costume. This is just the '90s. This is coming back around. Let's try this thing again. You know that those of us who are around don't want back. But there's fans of it. There's there's fans of the the prequel trilogy. You know, fans of the mullet. Yep. Oh god. I can't, I can't well, why would you, so so Ben's Ben's girlfriend slash wife is his wife or girlfriend? Wife, I think. She gets her own villain identity and powers, oh, and it has, has nothing to do with Chasm. Like you'd think they'd be sort of related. She's she's a Halloween themed villain, and he is a bug. Like it was just well, weird. She has masks. That's why I actually thought that was a pretty cool concept. She has the different <laughs> masks. I was like, did you fuck her face up? And I was like, oh no, they're just masks. Because I wouldn't want to fuck her face up because there's not enough redheads in the Marvel universe. <laughs> I mean, I, I think Josh is exactly correct. Like, from a technical standpoint, this was a good issue. Like, the the writing was was strong. The art, the, all the different art styles, really worked, and it was nice seeing Ryan Stegman here. But I just read the whole thing, going, no, 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 no. Every turn, page turn, no. And so, yeah, you know, you're totally right. I mean, the '90s have been back in terms of fashion and culture for a while. And then now it's sort of fully invaded the comics world. Mm-hmm. And it's not, not necessarily a good thing. Well, going from the 90s to the early aughts, but a, still a, a hot Marvel redhead is involved. We have the final issue of the Guinnessville Captain Marvel miniseries uh, that Peter David has been writing. And um, I was really excited for this when it came out. I think Connor and I talked about it. On one of the I've been reading it. I saw the script and I was like, I didn't put this here because I assumed no one else was reading it. You guys talked about the first issue when I was out, and ah. I read it um, also. And unfortunately, I thought this ended on a bit of a whimper. I didn't. I didn't think this ended as strongly as it could have. I, if anything, it felt like the end of the, a first arc that would set up a series. So to realize that this was the end of this miniseries, and we weren't necessarily getting another book, I was kind of like, oh, I kind of like where this book ended was kind of where I wanted the, the series, w- what I wanted the book to be from the first page not the last page if that makes sense right well i mean it's still set up that this is this is how they do things certainly everything peter david has done over the past few years is in little chunks and then the next one will come out and it'll be you know captain marvel colon something else this was definitely of the ones he's done recently the one i was least enjoying and also the one when, when this issue was out this week i thought have i read did i read the last issue like it did mm-hmm. the story didn't stick with me at all i did read them i read every issue but I never read this character to begin with. I read this of the strength of Peter David's uh, Maestro book and, and some, to some extent his Fantastic in, Four miniseries. He was in Avengers Forever that we did he, the books. He was. The character was. But I didn't read his his solo stuff right. in the early 2000s. And the thing that I think this miniseries was missing that was something I enjoyed about his solo stuff is that like Gennisvel is supposed to be a pretty unhinged character, a pretty unhinged guy. Like He's not supposed to be someone you can super rely on, but is incredibly powerful. And so it's sort of like, it's, it's sort of like the dog from the pound that you don't know is maybe going to bite you or maybe going to help you. Uh, you just can't quite tell with Guinness fell. And that I didn't think was really in this story 
in a way that I I'm used to seeing. Um, so maybe if we get another miniseries, it'll be a little bit more what I was looking for in this. Um, I didn't not enjoy this. I still am glad I read this, but I agree of the, the sort of Peter David goes back to some of his old characters miniseries that we've been getting. I think this is unfortunately one of the weaker ones. So I, I wanted to correct you and say it's Genesville, but that's just how I say it. I have no idea what's correct. <laughs> I always say Genesville too, but uh, who knows? I think I go back and forth in myself. Yeah. I don't think I'm consistent. But there's no, Either. but there's no, there's no way to know. This was like before podcasting. We were did not pronounce anybody's name, and and comic uh, creators would be like, "You said his name wrong." I was like, "How the fuck should I know?" I've <laughs> <laughs> only ever seen it on the page. I mean, yeah, I deal with I deal with that in many aspects of my life because there's plenty of like fossil taxa that people only know from right. reading about them in books. And so when we get together at a conference, I say, "Oh yeah, did you see that new Diplodocus paper?" You mean Diplodocus? Like I don't know. It's all I just it's big, is, big archosaurs. Is Rick Jones sporting an anti mullet? Well, someone explain this hair to me. I mean, it's not it's not of today. It's almost like a like a Back to the Future fifties haircut. It, it or actually it could be, it's sort of the floppy haired nineties like uh, who is uh, Will Friedel in Boy Meets World. Yeah, but even that hair, the yeah. whole head was long. Here, only his bangs are super long. Like that in the nineties, the floppy hair was just long hair. Right. No, I think there was definitely a long front hair period. It may I be slightly not not like this. Not where the, his bangs are coming down to his chin. <laughs> not like this. Not like this. <laughs> Not like, especially speaking of not like this, let's go. Oh, come on. All right. <laughs> Power Rangers 102. This is the, the creative team, the new creative team, Melissa Flores, Simona D. Gianfelice, uh, Raul and Hulo, and Ed Dukeshire on um, letters. Uh, I, I, this issue wasn't actually particularly noteworthy. The Rangers have gone to the moon to because of, uh, Lord Zed has put out a distress signal, and even though he's one of their greatest adversaries, they feel compelled to be the good guys and go, if he's in distress, let's go see what it's about. So they fly the Dragon's Lord up there in its flying mode, and it crashes. And they come upon a resurrected Rita Repulsa, who's gotten a power-up and now goes by the sobriquet Mistress Vile. And uh, the Power Rangers fight and do very badly, actually, and they barely escape by stealing Lord Zed's Jord. Uh, Serpentera, which I remember from the show, but I had to look up the name. I could not remember the name. It's like oh, an extra oh. big dragon sword. Um, and what ends up happening is Matt, the Green Ranger, stays behind to give the other rangers time to escape, and then they crash Lord Zed's droid back into Earth, so they have no way of going back to the moon to rescue Matt, because the dragon sword is up there and Serpenta uh, is crashed, but um, Zed is now working with the rangers against Rita, and Rita has uh, Matt in her clutches, and, is, and as we all remember, Rita was the original creator of the Green Ranger power coin, so um, she's probably going to get up to something nefarious with, uh, with now having him as her captor. So I think, you know, we all, we, all, we all understand the stakes here, we all know what's going on, it's all very clear, and um, yeah, I continue to enjoy this series. Can you keep going? I'm almost done. Yeah, so one uh, one other thing I wanted to point out, it's not a fun thing to point out, but um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about Power Rangers this week is Jason David Frank, the um, Green Ranger Tommy Oliver, considered by many to be the, the greatest ranger to ever hold the power coin, um, died by suicide a couple of days ago, and that really sucks. And I know we sort of do the Power Rangers thing tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but... Um, yeah, you kind of ruined my joke here. Oh. Yeah, I was still really <laughs> sad to learn that, and so um, I know that we uh, sometimes advertise for better health here, but better health is not a crisis line. So if you are in crisis and need to talk to somebody, um, they recently made 988, the suicide and crisis lifeline. So um, it's available in English and Spanish. And I hope if people uh, need it, they take advantage of that resource or whatever other resources they have to not get to that point. So, so it's kind of a sad week for the Power Rangers 
fandom, and I just wanted to say that I, I was sad too. So. Well, those are the books we wanted to talk about. It was uh, an unusual week. Thanksgiving week is always tough for comics reading, comics uh, reviewing. And uh, But those are the books we wanted to talk about. There's a lot of books that came out. But we always have the patron pick to discuss, and that's over at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Every person who's a patron of the show can vote to add a book to the rundown. We thank all those who took time out of their Thanksgiving holiday plans. And I keep saying that not all of our listeners are American, but most of them are. So that's why we keep saying that. Uh, their Thanksgiving plans to vote we appreciate it. And this week's winner was Doctor Strange Fall Sunrise, number one of four, from Trad Moore and I assume his wife Heather Moore on colors and letters by Clayton Cowles with Trad Moore. Trad Moore did the art, he did the writing, and he did the, partially the letters. And uh, this is a this was a uh, Doctor Strange miniseries that I had. It was a victim of the of the of the circumstance. I, I started to read it when I was really really tired from from traveling. I didn't make it more than a few pages because there's a lot, a lot here, and I just my brain was 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 fried. And then I picked it up again a couple of nights later, yeah, like two in the morning when I couldn't sleep because there was loud noises outside of the apartment I'm in, and I just couldn't. It, I, I it wasn't ideal conditions for this book, and so I think it probably negatively affected my my opinion of it. But what did you guys uh, think? I think you're being quite forgiving. <laughs> uh, I read it under completely normal circumstances. Uh, and, um, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to be mean, but I don't know who this was for. I don't know what the point was. I got nothing out of it. And I recognized early on, I was like, oh, this is not your kind of thing. And so I doubled down on my attention, trying to make sure that I was giving it a fair shake because sometimes I can see something go, this is dumb. And then all I do is see what's dumb about it going forward. But it's nothing I like. Uh, I, I I don't have a I don't have a good thing to say about it other than I think it was thoughtful and if it's you know there's somebody that this appeals to then maybe they'd be into it but I got nothing to grab onto I couldn't even tell you what it was I, 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 I thought it was beautiful I really yeah, like Trad Moore's pretty to look at I like Trad Moore's art a lot and he doesn't do a ton of stuff but when he does I think it's always exciting he does a lot of little panels he did, which one of those Marvel look back books did he do did he do Fantastic Four or did he do Hulk the grand design books. He did one of those. Anyway, um, I think his art's gorgeous. I just didn't get anything from the story. I was confused. I couldn't tell you what it was about. Um, I don't feel like I was confused because I kind of got what's going on, but there wasn't any narrative hook that I could tell. There was no characterization. Like it was, it was like a poem, and I don't mean that. Like, like I think it was literally like written like a poem. It wasn't written in traditional narrative and. From there, I, I just don't know what – I don't know what it was trying to do. Yeah. It, I mean, it seemed like he, Dr. Strange woke up in some weird dimensional world and he's just trying to get out of it or survive. I, I, that's what I took from it. But again, I was reading it in chunks and then less than ideal conditions. But but it was, it was like in a dream state or a hallucinogenic state. Like it wasn't – you know. and I, I don't need everything spelled out for me. It's not it. But I just I, – I don't know. I, I, it's the thing I keep – I was like, I don't know what the hook is here. I don't know what it is I'm supposed to care about other than Doctor Strange is lost in a world. He's thinking about having lost his hands, and there's lots of people around who, who either don't understand him or want to hurt him or both. Right. And that, that doesn't bring, like, the, the prose itself wasn't really strong enough for me to bring through that. And then it just leaves you with the art. And to me, I know what you're saying about it, but the art seemed to echo the story. And so, therefore, I didn't, I didn't know what it was trying to tell me. And I, 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 I want to 
stop going on and on about it in the same way, but that's where I was. Ryan, what did you think overall? Like I said, uh, very pretty to look at. I think I kind of, I considered doing what Josh did, where I was like, I'm going to go back and redouble my efforts to really capture <laughs> what's going on here. Or, I, I, and I think what I kind of did is like, I'm just going to let this wash over me and sort of see if I come back to it with, see if I come to the other side of it with any sort of understanding of what happened or what was going on. Um, there's that excellent anthology of animated uh, shorts that takes place in between the two Matrix movies, the Animatrix. And there's one of those where um, it's a bunch of humans convincing one of the machines through sort of a shared hallucinatory experience to join the human side and, and uh, go against the machines. And this was very reminiscent of that. Um, yeah, very dream sequency, very like dream logic-y. And then it, it, it's funny because the last page implies that there's like a, a, a plot and characters with you know, <laughs> drivers and that they want things and they have plans and machinations for what has just happened. And I'm like, really? Like, how did we get, how did we, how did we get to the, there from here? Like that's, that kind of threw me. So I think it's a very, that's a very good analysis. Like, I, I think I had that kind of thought. I was like, wait, what was that? Did I miss a thing? <laughs> and I really, and I really tried not to because right away I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this, but I, I didn't want to, I, 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 tr I tried really hard to give it. It doesn't mean I went back and read it again. But it meant that I read it carefully, um, you know, and and I mean, I can absolutely see there's going to be people like, oh, this was beautiful. Like it, it made me feel something, I, I guess. I don't know, but it didn't me. Ratings on Doctor Strange, Fall Sunrise, number one from Trad Moore, Heather Moore, Clayton Cowles. Out of five, I'm going to give it a two and a quarter. 2.25. I think I can go all the way up to 2.5, but no higher. 1.75 and that entire rating is based on the fact that I believe a thoughtful and concerted effort was made. I don't mm -hmm. think it was half-assed. I don't think it was dumb. I think that he was trying to do something thoughtfully and I just don't know what it is. Are you sticking with it? No. No. I just removed it from my iPad, so uh, that <laughs> means no. There you go. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can vote to add a book to the rundown. It's also By where you way, can help. It's called Fall Sunrise. Anyone know why? <laughs> Patreon.com slash iFanboy is also where you can go support the show. It's our primary means of support. We thank everyone who becomes a patron. You obviously don't have to keep listening to the show. The show will never be behind a paywall, but we do enjoy uh, the community that's come up around Patreon, the patrons. And also, they've also unlocked a lot of shows that we do now that everyone gets to enjoy. So if you become a patron, you get to directly support the show. You get to unlock new shows for everyone to enjoy, and you get to become part of a great community. Those are the three pillars of our patron. We thank you very much. We have uh, a document going around with new stretch goals that we have to discuss, but there's, it's going around, and our goal is to announce those in January. So uh, their new stretch goals for page, the Patreon are coming, and we are looking forward to that. You can also support us in various other ways at ifanboy.threadless.com. This is, a, look, we're in holiday season time, holiday shopping time, and... What better time to get your your niece a T-shirt that says Clint is dead on it? Your your niece may not know what the hell's going on, but that that's what makes the gift a great gift. So all those shirts we have can be found at fmwithathreadless.com. We have twelve designs. We thank everyone who tech checks those out. Fmwithathreadless.com/support is our direct donation via PayPal link. Fmwithathreadless.com/amazon is where you can find our books, loaded books, as well as a general shopping link. Again, it is holiday shopping time, and if you're going to be using Amazon. Uh, that's a great way to go and help the show. And bookshop.org is our partner that helps uh, support local bookstores. 
Uh, I remember just got an email from bookshop saying how much they got donated this year. I think it was $20 million went to local bookstores and something like wow. that. It was in that, that, that area. So if you see bookshop.org links on our page, usually with the Booksplode shows, because they really only do collections, uh, you can check out books that way. I, I do most of my shopping for books now via bookshop.org, and uh, it makes me feel good inside. And it just adds to the stack of books that I'll never read. And uh, that's how you can help support the show. Thanks, everyone, who did that throughout the year. We appreciate it. And now, if you are a patron at the $5 or higher level, you get a superpower live on the show. And this week, Ryan is going to bestow it upon you. This power is for Robert, who wants to be the very best. And uh, to accomplish that goal, Robert has a bag of special balls that he can use to capture any (laughs) animal he encounters that he hits with one of the balls. And the the ball snaps open and absorbs the animal. And provided the animal doesn't escape, Robert now has that animal and can control that animal with his bag of special balls. Uh, How is that not Pokemon? Or is that Pokemon? What are you talking about? Uh Huh? Is that that what Pokemon? My kids are into it, but I I don't. Oh, oh, okay. Is that Connor? Is that okay? I mean, that still feels like a lawsuit, which has to be said that Ryan is not affiliated with that fanboy enterprise in any way. Of, it's just a bag of special balls, and Connor, he's don't not, perjure yourself in this instance. He's, he's not out. He's not out catching pocket monsters. He's catching regular animals that he encounters in his everyday life. Ryan, Ryan is, is a random person who happened to be on this call. We decided to invite on the show. He is an independent contractor. Exactly. He's responsible for whatever it is that he says. They're just they're magical balls. I hear you, pal. He's got to hit the animal with them. It's not. How do you? How do you control the? I I I don't know any other background here. How do you control an animal with a ball? Well, so you you the ball starts off small and then it gets big and then you throw it at the animal and then it goes doot 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 and then you either capture the animal or it escapes. If you capture it, then you start to form a bond with it uh, by forcing it to participate in uh, dog fighting. (laughs) (laughs) This is just getting worse as you talk about it. I want to say to you that, like, when I said, isn't that just Pokemon? I wasn't being facetious. (laughs) It wasn't like, oh, I got him. I was like, wait, is that what Pokemon is? Like, you just explained Pokemon to me. Like, I put it all together from the bits that are going around my house. But uh, there's cards everywhere. I'm like, do you guys play the game? No. Okay. (laughs) We think the animals are cute. Fair enough. (laughs) Well, Dad Dad doesn't have time to help you with that because he's got to go play Marvel Snap. I won my round, by the way. <laughs> Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where every patron who gives the $5 or higher level can get a superpower live on the show. Thanks, Robert, for being a patron. Let's, uh, we can do an email. We're not too far over. Chris from Parts Unknown says, after listening to the last all-email episode, I thought of a question for you that has perplexed me. Why do you archive all the unanswered emails from year to year? I propose a new segment of, or extra podcast, if Ryan would be up to it, since he has enjoyed being on the show more and more. To offload the years of unanswered questions, you could t- make a segment called Haupt Takes, where Ryan rapidly answers an agreed amount of questions. Uh, I do like the idea of saying we're going to answer questions from 2008. Do no research. We were originally going to do that during the pandemic when there were no comics, but we ended up having more sh- content than we knew right. what to do with. So we, didn't have not- we, we, we did that for one show. We answered an old email, mm-hmm. and then we abandoned it because we, we didn't need it. We didn't need it. Yeah, and my my thought was, I mean, have you heard how many special edition shows are already coming out? Like, <laughs> Connor, you know, Connor's got a spreadsheet for that schedule already. I'm not sure squeezing more in. And in terms of answering questions rapid fire succinctly, have you met me? That's not <laughs> not a not a something I'm super skilled at. Ryan has good self awareness. Yes, yeah. I, I, um, like, I like to explain things in detail, and that takes time. Why do we do it? Because. 
we like to start the year fresh. We like, even though the questions can often be evergreen, we like to sort of keep them, re- you know, in the it, not relevant, but uh, you know, press you know, in the present. I can't think of words. I haven't heard anything. Drop down too far. Like it's just too much. It's it's uh, like logistically, it's just difficult. So we, you know, we every once in a while you got to clear out your house of junk, and so. Some of the stuff, might, it's, it's like, you know, you keep stuff and you go, this could be useful someday, but eventually you just have a bunch of pile of stuff that could be useful, which you never use. I think it's that. And a lot of emails are like, hey, in four episodes ago, you said this thing. And it's like, if we're reading that a year later, it's like, well, you don't remember what we said. And it's or and, that same week. Or even like, hey, this book, like, the emails are often about things happening in the now. And we like to keep those conversations as close to now as possible, even though, again, some of it's evergreen. But it's just the way of of sort of clearing the decks and starting each year fresh. Yeah. Which it's, is, it's, you know, our way of organizing. And also like part of the fun of the questions is that's like a, a more open discussion between whoever's on the show that week. And so just having one person, me or whoever go through and, and do those is I think would be less entertaining than people. I know. Could, could you imagine me being on that show and having, and not being able to add anything? Speaking of self-awareness, I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It's, it, I mean, it's unfortunate. We, we we would love to be able to answer everybody's questions. And back when we were doing this full time, we tried to respond to everyone who didn't get a show, on a show, but we just can't do it. Now I remember when time. that fell apart. I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't. Well, there were hundreds and hundreds of emails. It was I know. Just like it was being a full time situation. But you know, it's just it is what it is. Uh, you know, we, I mean, it is what it is. It's, just, it's a way to keep the show fresh. So, thanks for writing in, Chris from Parts Unknown. He wrote a contact at fanboy.com. If you want to get in the show. Listen, we have only a couple shows left, so you still have some time, but I feel you like to hold if, your questions. If, no, I feel like if someone has a burning question from this year that hasn't been answered yet, I mean, while you're listening to this now, go look at your sent email, find that question, and just schedule an email for January 1st. <laughs> tell, tell you what, tell you what, if you have an email that's for Ryan, I want you to put outtakes. There you go, <laughs> in, the, in the subject in the, line. In the subject line. And we're going to pronounce it like outtake, but it's outtake. So this is what I get. Instead of getting my Ranger Rotunda, my Power Pavilion, I get the help help take platform, the help take Apple Box. We do have a couple more shows, so if you, we still have you still have a chance to get on this this year's shows. But yes, you may want to look look and see and resend that in January. There's nothing to stop you from resubmitting a question. Right. <laughs> no, there isn't. I mean, if people if like if you had a burning question that didn't get answered and you want to bring it back to the top of the stack. Just send it again. Although I will, I will, if it was from this, the year, the current year, I will probably remember it. We'll remember and, it. And, and yeah, say, you know, because we're on it and we're talking about it, like, there are questions that are good questions, and there are questions that are bad questions. There's good questions that are bad for the show. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we read all the questions for sure because we really want one that's good for the show. But there's all sorts of reasons where it isn't because you wrote a stupid question or whatever. It just, it wouldn't play right. Uh, yeah, we, 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 will, will this question lead to an interesting discussion uh, is the main goal. And sometimes you ask a really good question that won't lead to an interesting discussion. Or you ask a question, but it requires you to write a thousand words to properly explain it. And that's not good for the show either. So it just, there's a lot of considerations. What, or you write you a question where we know Josh is going to put his foot in his mouth and we just we try to protect him. That's why we never have a eugenics question on the show. <laughs> Well, earlier you said that the woman's always the bad guy, and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so, <laughs> contact at fanboy dot com. So let's let us let us talk about the schedule now that we just mentioned it. That so, was a joke. We are re- reaching the end of November into December. Out now on the feed, you can go back a bit and find our Black Panther Wakanda Forever discussion, which we did get some shit for, but not as much as I was expecting. 
but we did get some uh, for Josh and Paul and I's take on Black Panther Wakanda Forever. We also, uh, right behind the show, we had our, speaking of emails, we had our media explode year in mailbag <laughs> episode where uh, we, we, you know, we went into the media explode bag and we cleared out as much as we could in that episode. And that was actually really fun. We went like 10 minutes per e- email on that show. Mm. We were, we were yappy, yappy, yappy motherfuckers. So we didn't make, we didn't get through as many as I was, I was hoping, but we, we it ended up being fun discussions. This week, um, fingers crossed, there's going to be a Battle of the Super Sons review with Ryan and Paul and I. Uh, that was the plan, and something may have come up that will keep us from doing it. Fingers crossed. If Multiple it doesn't come things. out this, if it doesn't come out this week, we will get it to you the first week of January. I realize that's like two months after it came out, but it's just, it's just this is the cursed show, and it's nothing to do with the fact that it stars Damien. It's sure. just this show is cursed. So what do we have after that? We have two more picks of the week: eight fifty eight, eight fifty nine, coming out in December. We have a Booksplode coming out in between those two shows. We're talking about Namor Visionaries, John Byrne, Volume 1. It's the first nine issues of the John Byrne early 90s Namor series. You can check that out. All the issues are available on Marvel Unlimited if you want to read those there. And then we end the year on December 18th with the All Media Year and Roundup. And that's, that's the final schedule for the year. We'll be back with New Pick of the Week, episode 860 in January, uh, January 8th. And that is the holiday schedule. That would lead to me. Mm. You can go over to, hey, can I take a second? I know it's yeah. like relatively long, but it's Thanksgiving, and I wanted to. I wanted to. Uh, thanks to everybody, uh, you guys especially. Um, I had a. I've had a not fun last uh, handful of months. The show is like I'm so thankful that it exists, and and, and that you guys do, and that people are listening to it. Um, I have. Uh, I've had employment issues, uh, but the outpouring of support and kind words and even like effective things from iFanboy listeners. Like you, you there, there, there are people out there who made uh, significant impacts and help. There's, there was a guy, Rob, who, who like helped me with my resume and my cover letters. And cause he had worked in that field and he knew more and it was extremely helpful. Um, I'm pretty sure a listener out there is, you know, going to be responsible for helping me end this crisis. Um, a guy I don't know, a guy who just listened to us. Uh, put me, you know, in in a position to uh, to you know have a have a win, and uh, it means the world to me. If we're talking about, I mean, the the, the patrons, you supported my family uh, over this time, and uh, I, I mean, how lucky am I, you know, that I get to do this thing? Um, and it, it's I was you know I was thinking about it yesterday, Thanksgiving. I was like, oh my god, I'm actually having actual thankful thoughts, um, and I I wanted to make sure I said it because. Uh, it's one thing to post it on Discord or be vague about it, but um, to everybody who who has reached out and been helpful, uh, it, it's it's been extremely uh, impactful and helpful. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, ifanboy.com. You can find all of our shows, vast history of comic book writing there. We have writers. Uh, they are talented. They wrote things. Those things will exist as long as there is an internet to exist them on. Uh, that's not the correct word. Uh, Facebook.com slash ifanboy, at ifanboy on Twitter, at ifanboycomics on Instagram. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. You can follow us individually at J.A. Flanagan, C.S. Kilpatrick, and Ryan Haupt on Instagram, and at Haupt on Twitter. How long are you going to stick with that, buddy? Uh, it's it's so hard to turn away from the train wreck like i it's it's kind of it's an interesting time just to lurk and watch what's happening but man yeah i'm close i'm Uh, close if if you if you do start another account on something else i'm pretty sure it has to be help takes um (laughs) so there you go you go to our youtube.com slash ifanboy um subscribe to that if you'd like to all of our old video shows are there 
<laughs> I'm so pushy. Subscribe to it if you'd like to. It honestly almost makes no difference to us. Click that uh, bell. Smash that subscribe button. Uh, we, we post this show there every week in terms of updated content. So if that's if that works for you as a way to listen to it, then by all means, please do. What does the bell do? It alerts don't you. An- when don't answer. Don't answer. I don't, I don't want to know. Help take. I don't want to know. I, I actually don't want to know. <laughs> oh, hashtag, man. Hashtag I want. I want like a sound effect like take. <laughs> <laughs> if you like this show, consider leaving a review or a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it helps people find the show. It helps the algorithm feed the beast. Feed that algorithm beast one last time. We appreciate that. Even better than that is word of mouth. Tell your friends. Uh, if people ask about podcasts you should be listening to uh, or they should be listening to, it's always nice when people say fanboy. So thank you for that. And that is it for our Thanksgiving episode. We made it in just about time, too. And that's amazing. My name is Connor, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Ryan, for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm going to get off this recording and go see what all the barking and screaming is about. That's been a help take. Help take. <laughs> I'm Josh. <laughs> I'm Josh. Oh, gee.